Hey, what's up, people? This is episode 26 of the Option Podcast, and you ask and you shall receive because I got to give the people, give the people what they want. John Mayer, John the Mayor, Mayor, what's good, brother? What's up, Jason? You still in your karaoke? Yes. <laughs> Actually, we were thinking about Skype karaoke tonight. We were thinking about doing a competition online just, just for the fun of it. <laughs> I think I just came up with this idea now, <laughs> as we speak. You just instilled the idea in my head, and here we are. <laughs> All right. Sounds fun. So we were before we got on the air. We were talking about um, um. We were talking about LMU. We were talking about. Well, before you, you say what you got to say, I just want to say how proud I am of what, like, from year one and what you, what you, what your goal was. We talked a little bit what, about where you wanted to be at a certain point in time, and and you went from like six and thirteen to like twenty two and fourteen. I was with you that year. I was director yeah. of operations, and yeah. all the way to the WCCC, WCCs. Is that um, as far as the path to where you were and where and where you what you've become, is it exactly where you were, or were you ahead, or were you behind? Uh, I'll probably give you kind of a coach answer. I don't know if that's what you want, but um, I, I really haven't thought that much about like you know oh, we we want to make sure we've won this by this date. I thought a lot about the people I want to have around me that I want to work with. I mean, but I think we're getting to that point. So I mean, I feel good about the direction we're heading. Yeah, man, I, I, I really like what I saw. Um, for those of you that, that had a chance to see it last year, um, they were at the WCCs. You guys, it was a double elimination tournament. You guys uh, lost and came all the way out of the loser's bracket, all the way out of hell, should I say, where you had to beat Pepperdine uh, not once but twice, which was really, really exciting as um, as this is a live production, but I'm, I'm, I'm actually on the edit. I'm, gonna, I'm putting up a clip right now of this no. last um, I'd like you to walk walk me through the last two plays, uh, which was a block um, and an ace. Just just what was going on? Yeah, I mean, a little background too is that uh, we we'd never beaten Pepperdine in our tenure history of back and forth, and ended up with a block by B Veronica. And then um, we talked about serving. Uh, we call it Alley Four, and Emma went back and she hit a, a really tough serve to Alley Four. We hadn't hit it all day. And she went and attacked it and got an ace. Pretty sweet. Yeah, man, that was an Oceanside serve too, man. You're like, yeah. she had a good feeling about it and it had to be, you know, um, and it had to have that nasty drop and it did and against a very good passer. Um, yeah, she was committed. She was committed to hitting it. And we'd been serving the her partner the whole, whole I think they played him three times that day. So they'd been serving the right side uh, all three matches. And then said, hey, let's, <laughs> let's try to throw one down to her sideline. And she did it. Isn't it crazy that when you have two teams that are um, evenly matched or just playing volleyball that day where they're evenly matched, it always comes down to like this play where it's 19 up or it's 21 up and there's always someone someone that did something that they haven't done all day. <laughs> you, for example, you brought up the ace. Like V, V, I didn't think had a particularly good blocking day. So when um, they were, I th I, they were, I'll just call it deuce. I don't remember if it was 20 up, 21 up, or 19 up. Or, no, it was 13, 13. No, 14, 14. Third set. Yeah. 14, yeah, 14. Exactly. So, so yeah. It, was, it was really weird that, um, not really weird, but really apropos that in these games that 
She gets this block, it goes in the air. It's not like a stuff block. It just goes up in the air. And from where I was sitting, because um, I was filming it, um, it looked like it landed on your side. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the only thing that even sold me that it was on the other side was um, um, your your team started cheering. I'm like, okay, okay. No way they should have a check for Pepperdine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it definitely wasn't a straight down block. It, uh, it thought about going on our side, but yeah, it went our way that day. Isn't it crazy? Like how, that's how the ball bounces sometimes. And uh, you, as a player and as a coach, can can probably recall a ton of um, instances where that's happened. Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be an element of luck, and there's so much of volleyball matches that are out of your control. So, uh, you know, just just don't spend as much time focusing on it. Just how many things can we be on that are in our control and do that as well as we can, and maybe we'll get some breaks along the way. But, yeah, that's just part of the deal. You know, you get some good luck sometimes and some bad luck other times, but how are you going to respond? I think that's, that's the important part. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah, what happens to the play after that, right? There was a block, could have went one way or another. What happened after that? Boom. <laughs> it's a nice. Oh, my God! <laughs> yeah. yeah, your, your video, man, that, we, we showed that to our uh, our board of regents and uh, our president and our AD. And your, your video made the rounds, for sure. I'm so glad, man. Hey, listen, I just keep my nose in the work. Sooner or later, something <laughs> happens. So it's been yeah. a good good year for me last year, too, right? P1440 gave me a chance to call all our Pepperdine's home games. Yeah. Um, I called the Big West uh, court four when Todd Rogers and Cal Poly played a uh, Hawaii, which yeah. also was in similar. In fact, all of the West, uh, West Western conferences went down to that. That was um, Hawaii, Cal Poly, pair, um, pair five. Um, that was um, 1919. Yeah, that, yeah, it was crazy. That that went like win by two craziness. So yeah. Yeah, it's good to finally see some parity, and I think the parity carried over even stronger this year, this college beach season. You know, the, the first, you know, seven, eight years, it was really dominated by a couple teams, and last year there was a little bit more parity, and then this year it, it was wide open, which is it was great to see, and I think it's going to continue going that direction. Absolutely. Um, all right, I'm going to say something, and you tell me whether you agree or disagree. I think, just like football and like all the other major sports, like, I think... Beach volleyball at some point, it could be, albeit this year or next year, should have a Power 5 conference. I think as far as the eight spots are concerned, I, I would like to see the WCC get an automatic bid. Too bad you didn't. You won. I didn't go. Um, the PAC should get an automatic bid. you got four teams that are worthy. I think the West Coast Conference should get an automatic bid. I th And I think the South and Southeast, should, I think those are like Power 5. And I think three should be at large bids. What, what do you, what's your sentiment on that? Yeah, um, if it stays at eight, I, that, that makes sense. I'd probably have to look at it closer. I mean, I think what really needs to happen is it needs to expand. Oh, like a play-in? Like a 19, like a play-in for the uh, ninth seed? Or? Yeah, you have like some regionals. Um, like the NCAA, their, their standard model is you take 20% of the teams. So for us, I think we're at like 70 or 80 teams now. So it should be up to like 16 or 20 teams that make the tournament. Ooh. Which, which uh, to me makes most sense, but we should at least be at twelve, and then you could do maybe a uh, you know three regionals, and the regionals lead to Gulf Shores. Uh, there's a proposal on the table. I think it's just a matter of the NCAA funding it. Um, so I think that's going to happen soon. Uh, I'm sure. Unfortunately, you know, there's worse things that are coming out of this uh, COVID nineteen crisis for sure. I mean, sports are less important than people's lives. But uh, I think one of the impacts will be, I'm sure the NCAA is losing lots of money and it might push push that uh, expansion of the, the college beach.
each postseason to you know a couple years later now. But hopefully at some point it gets to 12, 16, 20. I think that's that's where it should be. Right, cool. For everybody listening to the live version, just type in and make sure you can hear this because I think my sound's perfect. I'm, I have like a whole bunch of EQs around this room, but I, I'd always like people to type in and make sure that this is this is not for naught. Um, yeah, so I like what you said. You said at least 12, right? I think 12 is the minimum. It should be 16 or 20, yeah. 16 would be 16 would be ideal. It's it's and it's it's exciting right now. I mean, the 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 generational girls that came in, you know, you got if you remember Hermosa Beach, you had you had college players and high school players in the quarters and the and semis for the women. Craft uh, and Maple, you had M- Amuno and Jones. Uh, Chrissy Jones, what is um, which one of them is UCLA? Is that Muno or Jones? Uh, Zana Muno, yeah, she was yeah. UCLA. I thought yeah. I. Thought I saw Savannah there earlier on Savannah Slatery. Yeah. Yeah, she's always she's yeah. always fun, you know. Um, so, let's talk about the elephant in the room a little bit. All right, we're talking. We're going to talk about the the coronavirus and how it affected sports. Um, when did it stop? When did the action and practice time and all that time uh, all that stop for LMU? Uh, it was. Gosh, was it a Thursday? Is that March 12th, I think? Um, we were on our way out to, we were actually in the airport, on our way to play at Grand Canyon. And we were sitting in the airport and heard that the Pac-12 had just shut down their season. And uh, I was texting with GCU, with Kristen, Kristen there, the head coach, and she said, we're still all on. We're, we're going to play the tournament. Everything's fine there in Arizona. So then we got on the plane and we're ready to board. And I happened to grab my phone as we were just, about to depart, and she texted and said, are you still on the plane? And I, I said, yeah, why? Oh, <laughs> said, yeah, she said, it, you know, everything just got canceled. Um, Arizona shutting everything down. And that was within an hour. Things had changed pretty drastically. So we, I went and grabbed the flight attendant, and luckily they let us all get off the plane. And then, yeah, we were just kind of shocked and didn't know what to think, didn't know what to do. Um, so... Yeah, but, but that was kind of the big day. It was a, I was raining here in Southern California. It was a dark day. Uh, it was a sad day for, for everyone. But like I said, I think there's more important things in sport and volleyball. And, you know, there's people people's lives that we want to, uh, you know, be more concerned about. People have lost jobs. People are, are um, you know, I think scared. And it's, it's definitely a scary time. So um, the, the unfortunate thing is there is no sport. I think when, when things are... Uh, disarray sports something that people can look to and lean on and, and it's sad that we don't have that now uh, so yeah it's, it's a tough time for everyone yeah it is a tough time because uh sports to many is is a form of escapism you know yeah i mean right. pe- listen to people like us where like our escapism becomes our career either you know you stay consumed it and you take the good with the bad and you know of course we, me for me we talked about karaoke like when this yeah. be, when this became when volleyball became my full-time gig i needed a new a new form of escapism because um my strength john is i personalize my work but my weakness is i personalize my work you know it, it hurts too it hurts too freaking much you know when, when the downs are down so so yeah. for for me just for me personally uh, uh karaoke became in but for many people where where sports just in general in volleyball which is our our, our wheelhouse um has is is our escapism it's it's tough that's yeah tough. how's the family yeah, I, oh my family's good we're lucky we, you know my wife has a good job and um yeah. our daughter is at a great school they've she's doing her classwork right now they've sent you know for her 
hard to do every day. Oh man, I know. Uh, yeah, I'm like, the nerve. Helen, yeah, yeah, so that keeps her, her going. I get to be a teacher for her, but yeah, I think we all want to wake up and have some purpose and have something in front of us that we care about that we want to do. And that's what I try to do every day. I wake up and do the work that's in front of me, and I try to do it as well as I can. I think for a lot of people, that work has been taken away. Uh, they're not able to do their passion, their purpose. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, and we don't know for how long. So I think that's why it's so hard. Yeah. I wish I wish there was something I could do other than say, you know, this is hard and it's it's going to be challenging for a lot of us. I, well, John, I think you just saying that saying that on on its own uh, uh, means something because it's how a lot of people feel, and and, and it feels real good to, to know that everybody else shares the same sentiment. It's like okay, it's tough, tough for tough for John, <laughs> you know, because a lot of things um, from the outside in, it looks like a lot of things come easy to you. So if it's tough for you and you identify and you say that, people identify with that, and I appreciate that. You know, for me, uh, thank God, thanks to people like you, the show goes on. I mean, you know, it'd be nice to have you in studio, but we ain't trying to, we ain't trying to do that to our kids because, right, <laughs> these, these symptoms. Uh, I, I went to the Strand uh, just, just, just to get some air, and the Strand just had people on rollerblades and bike where, um, as far as social distancing is concerned, it was marginal. I'm like, ah, we're, we're just going to do something else, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's, it's a hard thing. When you're healthy and you're young and you know this virus won't affect you, you know, for most young people it won't, affect, like, kill you. It'll maybe, you know, make you sick for a week. I get it, and I think I've done the same thing, where it's like, well, I still want to go outside, I still want to live my life, and I understand why that's appealing. But I think for us to understand that, it, you know, we are, if we are out in the world, it's dangerous, it's going to kill people. And that the, the more, the less that we social distance, the longer this thing's going to go on. The faster that we can all not spread the disease, the faster we can get back to living our lives and get back to sports and things that we want to do. But, you know, I had some good opportunities last year. I got to coach Big Pearl, you know, Earl Schultz, Jake. Um, they never made the main draw, so I, I helped them get into the main draw and hung up to beach, so. And that was really cool because that's not like working with Rafu where I already have a team that's in the draw. It's one of those things where you punch your own ticket so you don't feel like, you know, you, I feel like less of an imposter. You know what I mean? Like someone like you who grew up here and this and that, you're, you're part of the, you've always been part of the family. But I, I've always felt like even though I've been in this business longer than half of them have lived, um, I felt like I had to start over. So last year, so last year was a good year for me. But this, what you're doing, Theo Brunner came on, you're on, Casey Jennings helped launch it, Jason Olive, if you you go back that far. Yeah, no, uh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so thanks for doing this. Well, I'm, um, I'm stringing along to your podcast because um, it's something I meant to mention uh, in your introduction. You are the founder of Coach Your Brains Out. <laughs> Is it? Right. Uh, it's you and Billy Allen, right? Yeah, uh, Billy Allen, Andrew Fuller, Nils Nielsen, uh, the four of us. Yeah, started doing it five years ago. Maybe, maybe yeah, about five years ago. That's and cool. Somehow it's still going. Yeah, it's a very selfish endeavor. We, we get to talk talk to experts, to coaches, to authors, and just ask them questions about learning and becoming the best coach, the best mentor you can be. And I'm out, I'm, I love doing it, and uh, I've met so many amazing people through it. I can imagine a lot of the. Yeah, a lot of the resources, you know, will come in and they'll come work with our LMU girls. So there's been a lot of benefits. And, and the cool thing along the way, some people have listened and taken some things away. So it's been fun. And we, uh, we wrote a book. Billy, Billy's a, he's a doer. He likes to write. He likes to make stuff happen. He's creative. So he said, let's write a book. So we wrote a book and put that out. And yeah, it's been pretty fun. And then right now with, 
Yeah, with no, uh, I mean, there's still a lot going on with LMU, but it's quieted down. Uh, I can put some more time into the podcast, and it's fun to have something to wake up and, like I said, you know, get to do something that I care about, something that I want to do at a high level. Yeah, and, and moreover, something that a lot of people are interested in. I mean, it's, it's, um, uh, I like it. Geraldine got me onto it because I didn't. I mean, you're you're a pretty shy guy. I didn't even know you had a podcast until Geraldine mentioned it a few years ago, and I'm like, okay, wow, this is cool. Um, you have a, a group following, like volleyball coaches and trainers, and one of these. A lot of people um, promote your podcast. Um, how much of your personal style, because you're into this growth mindset thing, um, do you? talk about on your podcast um is is it all of it or is it just you is it idea sharing is it thought provoking you're not sure yeah he's like what's your question jason (laughs) no no it's um i mean i'm definitely we're selective about the people that we want to have on the people we want to learn from i think people who are generally like curious and seekers and they want to they want to learn more they want to be better not we like i like the idea of having uh learn it alls not know it alls um, so we try to, you know, have a community of people like that, and it seems like those are the people who are attracted to the podcast, people that just are eager to learn and eager to, to get better, and that's just the whole purpose of it. Um, we, we share, like Billy and I will share some personal stuff here and there, but most of the time it's just we try to get guests who know a lot more than we do <laughs> and try to pick their brains. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I, that's great. I love it. That's cool. Yeah, for me personally, it was it was so much fun working with you because um, I've been coaching twenty one years, but not beach, not sand. I was very very when I, when when you when you gave me the, the chance, I was only about a year and a half into the whole beach thing, and I brought a lot of um, ideas that were that indoor. I thought technique wise, there are some people like you said, they're they're the know it alls instead of whatever you, even though. Some, some of the ideas you never heard of, you always, you always, you know what I'm saying, you always go on the lipstick, and, um, and hey, you listen, you disagree, you listen, you're like, okay, hey, I like that, that idea, I'm, I'm going to run it by Aaron Mansfield, whatever, who's, who, by the way, I'm, I'm plugging him in, Aaron Mansfield is a savage, he's one of the, the, the best five indoor coaches I've ever met in my life, dude, I mean, just watching the way that, that man's mind works, so, so, he's yeah. a good beach player, too, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I talked to Theo. I understand they played together. Yeah. They played together yep. in the beginning. So that's that's, that's how. Right. Yeah. Like I said, that's that little family. That's how small that volleyball world is, which I'm I'm I'm, I'm honored <laughs> and now duty bound to be a part of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's something I've always liked about you, as far as idea sharing is concerned. Um, um, and I guess consistent with your podcast, it's a it's a discussion. Yeah, I, I like the idea of a rising tide lifts all boats. You know, I think there was a time in my life where I tried to, I just only worried about myself and didn't want to share what I knew, not that I knew that much, probably just because I was insecure. But now I've, I've seen a lot of the, the best coaches I've been around, a lot of the best learners I've seen, they're very open with their ideas because they know that that leads to dialogue, that leads to discussion, that leads to all of us getting better. And when, when this coach gets better, then it's going to push me to be better as well. So it's, yeah, it's just about sharing ideas. It's about learning from each other and, you know, all, all of us just becoming the, the best versions of ourselves. So, yeah, I think that's that's a big kind of principle behind what the, the podcast is and what I try to do. Uh, yeah. Nice, dude. I, I, I um, 
God, I had a, I had a really, really cool question in regards to that. You you mentioned uh, rising tides lifts all ships. One of my favorite quotes, by the way. It's a good one, yeah. Uh, it is. Um, how much time do you spend in the video room? <laughs> um, it never feels like enough. You know, the thing about... Isn't it true? There's, there's not enough hours in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, for sure, because you know, I, I coached indoor. I coached junior college for uh, about ten years, and um, and you have one team. You know, you get to study film of your, you know, maybe your your starting six or starting seven with your libero, and and there's a lot to understand and a lot to dive into there. Um, but with beach, you have, you know, we had seven teams, um, you know, five starting teams. So that's a lot of that's a lot of matches to go through and a lot of practice. You know, you're, you're filming in practice four courts, as you know. You yeah, oh you know, no doubt. Us a ton. That um, was quantitatively so a quantitatively a lot of work. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Compared to yeah, I mean indoor indoor is a lot of work. I don't mean to like, but just to just to show like how many teams to study. Um, you know how many how many matches you could and practice matches you could go through. It's it's uh, never ending. So. Uh, I try to study the game as much as I can, and uh, I always want to learn more and, and do more. I got Mila here joining us. Mila, what's up? What's <laughs> that? Mila, hey, wow. Oh, my goodness. Mila's like this fully grown woman now. What's up? How old are you? Okay. So, Mila, how old are you right now? Says, how old are you? What, how old are you right now? Um, seven. Seven years old and you're that tall? Oh my goodness. Are you going to play volleyball like your dad? I don't know. Good. I don't know Maybe. is a good answer. You Listen, do not get into this sport. Do something that makes you some money, okay? <laughs> don't Do not play this sport. <laughs> John's like, all right, all right, that's enough. <laughs> Mila, it's really, good, it's really good to see you. Um, she looks so, so grown, John. She's growing up. Yeah. Back to school. Yep. I got a little, I got a little toehead too, man. Braxton, who's three years yeah. old right now. Braxton yeah, is. Cute. Yeah. So, yeah. So the reason why I asked, like, how long do you live in a video room? I think I knew we share the same sentiment in the sense that um, there's only 24 hours in a day, and like playing a really fun video game, you look at the clock and you're like, holy. What just what just happened? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of that time went by. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's it's not just about you know if I watch lots of film, that's good. I think it helps me coach better. But it's trying to get your players to understand that that studying film, not just watching like for like top ten plays, but studying you know your your fundamentals and maybe some tactics. That's where you can you can get some gains and you can improve as a player. So you know getting them to learn that. John and. Study, John, and it moves the volleyball needle. Yep. Video room, tactics, people yep. listen in, where's my camera? It moves the volleyball needle. By the way, this is Instagram. I was just plugging plugging in because they thought this would be this would be Insta Live and it's on a little bit. You guys, it's going to be on Facebook Live, okay? It's going to be Facebook Live. It's going to be on iTunes and Spotify later tonight and on my YouTube and Facebook handle. My Facebook handle, by the way, is doing awesome. Uh, um, NY Varsity Sports is a Facebook handle as well as um, YouTube, and that's averaging 7,000 views an episode. So, so for volleyball, I think that's pretty good. And, and on Facebook, where well, I don't even have 7,000 friends, I don't even know. Do we even know 7,000 people? I, I would like to think that that's doing well. But getting back to what I was saying, John, and I'm not trying to rant too much because you're my guest and I'm trying to give you a chance to talk. 
I, I see a volleyball match and I see like one whole set or like almost a whole set of a feeling out process. I get up and I walk away. I think there's a, tra a trap too with film. Like, I think it's more about knowing your strengths. Like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to hit my best serves. I'm going to hit my best attacks and, and yeah. run my offense versus like, what are they good at? How do I, you know, how do I play to their weaknesses? I think there's some value in, in understanding maybe where some holes are on their side, but I, th I think. Uh, we spend way more time studying what our strengths are and, and trying to sharpen our strengths and improve our and upgrade our weaknesses. Right. And then you can then go in and you can attack. You can dictate. You can play the game you want to you want to play. And it does. You know, you could have, you know, two two guys named Bill over there. It doesn't matter who it is. It, it, it's just you know, it's about my side of the court. Absolutely. Well, I, I I agree with that to an extent. I agree with that to an extent because taking care of your side of the court, in my opinion, uh, for the most part. Um, it helps you beat the teams you're better than, but it also helps you lose to the teams that are better than you. Video, video, I mean video. No, t with that being said, there are some games, if you're the better team, take care of your side of the net, dude. Don't do anything, you know, don't do anything um, more than what you usually do. Like you said, try to be a different person than who you are. Just like Bill, Belich Bill Belichick said, How how's this for a coach? Just do your job. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so I, I, I've always agreed with that, but I've always agreed with that. Um, I, I guess in the classic sense of uh, take care of your side of the net has, has, has its flaws, in my opinion, too. Um, well, I think you want to balance. Yeah, yeah. you want to you know you want a little bit of both. Yeah. Look, when you, I you, think you have, you have way more control over your side than their side. Well, that's, yeah, well, what's, what's our magic controllables, right? Uh, our magic, my, I, Jason's big three are serve. That's 100% control, right? Um, yeah. Uh, in system setting, like if you're, like if we're playing together and you give me a bad pass, a great pass, the other team can't make me set poorly. <laughs> so that's a yeah. controllable, right? In system setting. And uh, down ball, free ball. Whatever there, I mean, when you know some windy days, uh, 70, 30, 80, 20, there are love. There are levels to that. So my magic three, um, yeah. um, I've always, as a coach, I've always made a game promise the game could be 18 up. You know, the last three points, I think the players got to come through, but I've never promised the team that I coached you that that I was gonna I was gonna make you win. <laughs> I, yeah. I said I can make a game 18 up, <laughs> but you gotta, you know, uh, you gotta do the rest. So. Patrick Dix. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, there's not too many volleyball skills in your control. I think serving for sure. Um, I mean, setting I could see in system, but you don't even get you don't get to control how they pass. So that's kind of out of your control. But I think the biggest things in your control are, you know, your work ethic, uh, the sort of teammate you are, uh, the things you value, the way you prepare for the match. You know, th those are like the big ones. You can't really, you can't control result. You can't control how good the other team plays. You can't control who you're playing. Right. Uh, but you can be clear on like this is who I'm gonna be, this is how I'm gonna prepare, and then I'm gonna go let it rip when I get out there. Yeah, and and I I, I strongly believe and I co-sign with you in the sense that the more you practice that way, the more the other things that you feel you can't control don't come into play. Let's say the game's yeah. four, let's say I'm playing you, it's fourteen up, game three, right? Got to win by two. Um, they call your hands. How dare them, right? Son of a bitch. Uh, um, <laughs> you can't control the referee's call, but what happens the next play? Because we've seen a lot of people lose games because uh, psychologically, they're, 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 they're still lulling over that call. In fact, even, even if that happened in the middle of the game, I've seen players give up three points for one. Because, right, that, that call cost them three points because they haven't recovered. So, the th thing I've always liked about you, and I'm going to tease you a little bit, like...
If someone calls your hands and it's game three and it's 14 up, you'd walk to the ref. I have, no one has any idea what you're saying to the ref because you're pretty quiet or whatever, this and that. But you have this conversation that creates this de facto timeout. And I'm like, if I'm on the other side of the court, I'm like, I know what you're doing right now. And I can't control that. Ah. Yeah, I probably spent, I spent too much time in my career worrying about refs. I wish I wouldn't have as much, but you know, but, you're competitive and you're, yeah. and you're stubborn and you think you set the ball well, you're going to go let them know about it, but I tried but to do it in a respect, respectful way. It was my goal, but not, I didn't always do that. But John, it's psychological too. You're, you're, you, um, any momentum they had, that conversation, we both know that, you don't fool me, that kind of the conversation you have with the ref could, takes away some of the momentum that the other team could have had. I... You are a nice guy, John, but you do not fool me. I know what you are doing. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think that, that can happen. I think also, though, it can take you out of your own game. If you spend too much time in the past, I think the big, like you were saying, I think the big thing is the best athletes is how you respond. How present can you be for the next point? Mm-hmm. Or are you holding on to the last play? If you're not, if you're not present, you can't perform. Right. You can't, there's no high performance at a high level if you're not in the moment. So. Uh, lots yeah. of times, bad bad calls can make you, you know, compete in a way that you don't want to compete and, and make reckless errors. So, um, yeah, I think there's times for gamesmanship and times to slow slow things down and, and maybe change the direction of the match. But the big thing is, can you get present and take care of the next point? That's the the single most important thing. I take a long time to make one point because if that's that's what I said in the beginning, right? That's it doesn't matter if if it gets, they give me fifteen fourteen is not as important as what happens the the play after that. Uh, my man Patrick yeah. Dietz, um, a guy who uh, he's he just has a post I wanted to read for us. Patrick Dietz is a, a longtime player. He was two thousand offensive player of the year by North Northeastern Collegiate. Um, he played for me when I coached at City Tech and became a pretty good coach himself at College of Mount St. Vincent. And he says the best athletes look to prove their own self-awareness and actions on their side is paramount. Okay. All right. We got that. Um, I'm with him, yeah. Yeah. He talked about different ways to handle it, like Karch pulled down. I remember the video of Karch yanked down the entire net system because <laughs> yeah, yeah. of whatever. Um, how has John handled the drop of the season due to the COVID nine, and how has his recruiting been um, augmented, and how excited is he for the next season, knowing the possibilities? Yeah, there's a lot of questions around it. I mean, we talked about how it affected the season. Obviously, it ended it. You know, hopefully, we'll be able to start up again next fall in our preseason uh, recruiting. I mean, most of our seniors want to come back, so we're excited about that, and we'd love to have them all come back. And they deserve that opportunity to get to compete again. They put in so much work, and they didn't get to see it uh, all the way through. Uh, the challenge is the scholarship side. Uh, I don't know how uh, the NCAA is going to respond, and are they going to give us more? Uh, at LMU, we're, we already weren't fully funded. Um, we're, we're going towards that way. Uh, so, yeah, there's lots of questions. We, we want to offer all of our seniors a scholarship so they can come back, but uh, we don't know if we'll be able to yet. Um, but then if, if we do do that, then we're going to have a really big roster because we're bringing in six freshmen who are, uh, we have brought in some really good players. So, um, I think if we, if we're able to, to return everyone, I think we'll be, we'll be pretty good. So, um, we'll see, but I think we're still a ways away from figuring a lot of those details out. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, here's one of my questions. Do you think that everybody that missed out on their spring season should be able to redshirt? 
I think so. I mean, the NCAA already said they said they can. So, but yeah. I, I they did. So. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, you're talking. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, it's not just seniors. Freshmen can be freshmen again. Sophomores, sophomores again. So most of our athletes are going to do that. They're going to take a redshirt season. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, there, there's still some details around it, but that's that's what uh, the NCAA has ruled, and um, we're excited that you know all our girls get to get this season back and and compete again. You know, it's, me it's, too, dude. It won't be the same, and, and some seniors will move on. And, you know, it's it's brutal that they didn't, all the work they put in, they didn't get to uh, finish uh, finish the mission. But um, I think a lot of them will come back and get to go at it again. Yeah, I mean, I, our heart, as, as I only played college ball for one year, I was at Hunter for a cup of coffee. You played at um, Pepperdine, um, um, NCAA champ. Got to plug my boy. Um, so I can't imagine, like, I'm, I'm putting this scenario in your head. What what year did you win the NCAAs? Senior? 2005. Senior? You were a senior or junior? Yeah, senior year. You were a senior. Imagine this. Like, you get to Pepperdine and you have this... And you have ups and downs in your all your seasons going up to your senior year, but it all leads up to this very moment that you probably waited four years for. And some athletes who who wanted to aspire to play volleyball, college volleyball since a kid probably have waited all their lives, and then boom, you lose your eligibility. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's why I'm, I'm when the NCAA said uh, you just gave me news. I'm very very happy to hear that, man. I'm sure. Yeah. And I share yeah, the no. sentiments of many. I would have been pissed, John. Yeah, I would. I would have been crushed and. I'm crushed right now for for our athletes and all the work they put in. So, no, I think it's the right decision. I'm glad that they get to uh, have the opportunity to come back. It's hard though. A lot of them are graduating. A lot of them have jobs lined up. So, it, you know, it's. But what can we do about it? I mean, this is a worldwide crisis. There's nothing we can yeah. change about it. So, again, it's the same deal. How are we going to respond? Yeah, like, um, like I'll give you like Duran's. You know, um, I'm with Endless Summer, right? Duran, Presley, the, yeah. the program director. Presley was at um, Hawaii. Um, probably didn't get to play because I think on her pair of fives, like, she's evenly matched with everybody else, and Ty goes to the junior or senior, right? So that's, that's whatever. She transfers to FIU, Florida International, finally has a chance to play in the pair system, and, uh, this, this virus hits, and you, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm using her as an example because right now, she's finishing her third year of college right now, and it's been three years, and she hasn't even had a chance to take the court, <laughs> you oh, know, yeah. or, or maybe, uh, no, I take that back, because you guys did play in the beginning, so, so, it was just a story I wanted to share with you, uh, that, um, you probably already know, but I could just identify, like, someone, as an example, someone who's, who's been playing volleyball since she came out of the womb, you know, so, yeah, um, no, it's, it's brutal, and, and it's hard, I mean, for the professional athletes, I'm working with, uh, Betsy Flint and Emily Day, and Billy Allen and Stafford Flick, and they had bought flights. Um, you know, they had been planning to go to Australia, to, to Mexico, uh, paid for hotels, and now they're out. You know, that's a big part of their living. They depend on being able to go compete and play, and they make investments. And now they can't even train, they can't practice, they can't, you know, prepare. Um, so those are big losses. And I mean, I think it's it's not just them, it's all, you know, people in all sorts of different, you know, jobs. But, uh, yeah, it's it's brutal. It's rough to lose, you know, to lose all that, and it just happens. It felt like it happened so fast, and um, then there's just you know it's out of our control. Other than we can do everything we can to to stop the spread of it by you know doing the common sense, washing your hands, and uh, and then just social distancing. I think that's the best stuff we can do right now. With a big, big heightened emphasis on the common denominator of social distancing, 
Okay, yeah. John Mayer, six feet. Okay, we bury people that way. All right, we get, we we should be able to actually just give each other some space. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm on the line at Whole Foods, and they actually marked they they drew markers, right? And then I got someone behind me, and and for some reason I still. Like there's some things I change, but there's some things that are about me that are the same. So my my New York way of asking someone to give me some space sounds like I'm being rude. <laughs> you know, I'm like, excuse me, unless you want to buy me a drink, can you please give me some space? You know? yeah. And I don't mean to be mean, but but um, but my livelihood, and not to mention, you know, we we both have little girls, and we both have these these gorgeous hot wives. Um, we're not trying to bring anybody. <laughs> we're not trying to bring anything home except love. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, but it's hard. We're changing big norms, and yeah. I think, like, like I said before, just you know, a lot of people who are young, they feel invincible. So. Uh, and and but, for them, I say good yeah. for them, <laughs> and for and good yeah. for you. How about how about your grandma? Who are you gonna bring it home to? Right. Yeah, I think that's the whole deal. Is we gotta think about everyone. Who's it gonna affect, and who are you gonna carry it and spread mm -hmm. it to? Yeah, Max Holloway, a mixed martial artist, uh, UFC fighter basically said that he didn't see that he, he, he had to have that revelation. He, he, um, says, he says, I fought in the cage. I've, I've, I've encountered things a lot tougher than some coronavirus. He's young and this and that. And then he thought about it. Like, wait, you know, my grandma lives with us. Or, and she's over at the house and this and that. So he um, came up with the quote that was echoed by uh, Max Kellerman. It was from first take, you know, ESPN, Stephen A. Smith. Yeah. Anyone whose name was Max said, um, treat the coronavirus as if you have it. As if you already have it. And you yeah. don't want to give it to anybody else. Yeah, that's a good point. That's good yeah. to think about it. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah, me too. Patrick Dietz says, okay. Wait, wait, wait. I got one more post. Because for the people who are nice enough to tune in, Maybe they get their voices heard too. Um, is he still playing pickup ball? Donnie Bass says, are you still playing pickup ball? You've always been one of my favorites because he was a lefty like me. I can't, you know, I can't stand lefties. <laughs> what a pain. Lefties are a pain in the ass. They, they just are. You know? you That's know. true. Um, no, I actually haven't. Chicago 2018 was my last match. That's is that you and um, Trevor? No, um, I played with Avery that last match. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I played with Trevor most that year and then didn't the last, I think, the last tournament. And then um, I've only played one other time since then. I played uh, with some friends down at Marine Street. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm around it every day because I coach it every day. I'm down at the beach every day coaching and, and watching it. And now I've found I enjoy going to play pickup basketball or play, play tennis. Because I think what – I'm scared of is that I'll go out and, and it's just not as fun when you know the level you did play at and then when I go out now I'd just be so bad <laughs> that it'd be frustrating. I think in like probably a couple more years I'll, I'll be more you know open to going out and competing and playing some pickup. I like the idea of playing fours maybe more than, than doubles but yeah I, I don't I haven't played and I haven't really felt the desire to play uh, but I'm enjoying playing basketball or was before the virus. Oh yeah, yeah. You're um. So you're a big basketball fan. Do you do you yeah, have, do you have a good first, do you have a good sports life. team or? Uh, no, I don't follow the NBA that much. I, no, not really. 
I um and the NBA has like boom periods, and I thought the last three years have, have been absolutely fun to watch. You know, yeah. it doesn't usually heat up until like the playoffs, but it's it's kind of um it's got it was it's been good the whole season for three seasons. You know, yeah. I'm um giving away my age a little, a little bit. I came up a Knicks fan, 1990s Anthony Mason, Charles yeah. Oakley, um, Patrick Ewing, a team that made you pay if you went to the rim. I mean, they were so fierce. I I believe teams like them in Detroit Pistons were the reason why a flavored foul was even introduced into the sport because because of a regular foul it was the same thing you know like you you deck someone and and, you, and killing someone's the same thing as a parking ticket you're just gonna do it yeah <laughs> but yeah. i'm a basketball Absolutely. fan but but i tell you who i'm not a fan of anymore the no. new york knicks oh, yeah. they are I an abomination them. i am turning in my card you, you mess with Spike Lee. You kick Charles Oakley out of the whatever. They let they let anybody just score and dunk on them. Um, so so basketball. Are you good? Are you good? Good outside shooter. Good defender. Uh, my favorite guy was always John Stockton. So I I always try to play like him. Uh, I would say I'm better at like driving and dishing and setting screens and playing defense and um, yeah I can I can I'm kind of quick to move around and and facilitate. But I'm uh, not not a great shooter. Yeah, I was um, well, I was a big three athlete before volleyball. Uh, basketball I played small forward. I could rebound. I was I was defense. I had this gas tank. I don't know. If it's like my heart, like a natural heart and fast heart rate or whatever. Um, from bell to bell, as soon as the balls checked in, I was a I was a, I was, a, I was a pain in the ass. Yeah, baseball first. Well, not girlfriend. Again, we both have beautiful wives. John has a beautiful wife, everybody. I'm airing his laundry. John has a beautiful wife. Okay. So, so do I. Um, Kelly, wherever you are, I love you. Okay. She's actually working from home today, too. She's, um, oh, yeah? Yeah, it's her job. She's in finance, so it's one of those. She's um, lucky enough to do a ton of work at home, so she doesn't have to worry too much about uh, the other. You know, and for us, the only thing we can do is wait. And the AVP is something else I wanted to talk about. You mentioned you were coaching Betsy Flint and Emily Day, right? Yep. Is she still with Day? Yep. Um, and Stafford Slick and Billy Allen. Yep. Yeah. So, have you talked to any of your people about coaching this summer and just just uh, maybe starting the preseason over again. I mean, the AVP, to our knowledge, the AVP has moved uh, New York as its first stop, um, the 21st of June, the 19th and the 21st of June. Yeah, uh, we, we've talked about it, uh, but it's, it's so unclear, so hazy right now. You know, I think New York, I'd put a big maybe on there. Um, and then there's also nowhere to train right now that all the nets are taken down. <laughs> um, and. So, yeah, I mean, we don't really have a plan in place. I think hopefully in a couple weeks we can get back out. Um, for right now, I'm giving them some video assignments. and um, We're looking to meet with uh, the sports psych with the USOC, uh, doing things like that. But I think for now they're just they're working hard in the weight room and getting strong. And, and uh, hopefully another month or so we can get out, get back on, uh, kind of, yeah, start up a new preseason, like you said, and, and prepare for New York, hopefully. Yeah, I'm going to New York. Um... Rob McLean, um, he was kind of a guy at the ed the edge of, of the the, ed the end of the qualifier, like fourth round a bunch of times, trying to find a way, and I find I I'm picking him up this year. Um, I thought some of the best volleyball he played. Um, if you remember Bill Kalinsky and um, um, 
Eric Baranek. They yeah. were from the qualifiers all the way to the semis. They were they were a yeah. team I coached against in the qualifier, and we we were the only team that took a set from them. We took uh, I mean I knew how to win the first set because I knew where you know I knew Eric's footwork and his trich reaction, how he fa- whether he faces the hitter or or you know his juke moves. So I knew that I could do things for one set. I just didn't know, I just didn't know how to beat him two out of three. Um, so Rob's gonna come up. I'm hoping you know he trained with Alisson a little bit when when Alisson came here. And I'm hoping he could find a partner. He's he's one of these guys like you. He's like your height, but he's a hybrid. He's such a good blocker. Like he always winds up with people he has to split block with, but he's not. He's a full-time defender. Um, okay. So um, I'm just gonna keep repeating that name. So if you, you're looking for someone to, tra- to um, you know, to tra- train with train with you guys or whatever, he is an elite athlete. He's just amazing. And this is the end of last year. This year, this is his year. He's 25 years old. Um, he's exactly. You know, as far as bodies are concerned, if they're having bodies in, and maybe he'll learn from you, you as well. He's definitely someone I'll recommend. Um, um, this is this should have been off the record. I mean, I'm saying it on camera because I'm an idiot. So uh, <laughs> that's that's how I roll. Uh, Did you hear they uh, they changed the rules for AVP coaching? Have you heard about that? No one in the box. No, the opposite. They're doing. Um, you can coach when the ball's dead, and when you cross sides, just like College Beach, you can walk across and coach them. Oh shoot! Cool. Yeah. I mean, that should have been done. I don't know if the FIVB is gonna catch on to that, but um, the FIVB looks like they're doing more of a tennis format. Just have the coaches sit and chill or whatever. Um, yep. As you can see, people representing their country. It's already, I mean, so much of it uh, 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 looks synonymous to, to the way tennis sets up, and I think you'll agree with me on that. Yeah. Um, and that affects me in a, in a sense, like Rafu. Like I was an analytics coach. I'm, I don't. I don't sit in their box at all, so it's I don't, it's one of those things where the ref was like, I have to sit in the box, and I'm like, how about I just stay in the player's tent, <laughs> and I do the numbers from there, because I don't, you know, like, they're they're chaotic when they lose, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to mess with those two like that, so I've always done the opposite, I've always, for some, some teams, I've always sat as far away as possible, <laughs> but um, how useful is that to you, um, or is it the same? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... Probably most of the best coaching's been done the months before in training and the preparation. I don't know how many, how much you're really worth <laughs> during the match. I think lots of times coaches can be a distraction and probably get you focused on things that aren't as important. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I don't know. It depends how you do it. Uh, I think if it's done right, you can help point out a couple things that could be helpful. You could remind them of uh, maybe uh, who they want to be, how aggressive they want to play, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think you can make a small impact, and but yeah, like I said, I think the bigger impact is in, in the practice, in the preparation, the lead up. Yeah, yeah. I think where I've improved as a coach, as an indoor coach, um, I went from a guy who was in the sideline coach, you know, like free, free, <laughs> you know, there, 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 it's out, it's out, you know, to one of these guys that sit, sits on his Brooklyn butt because, like you said, process and preparation went so well. Sometimes less is more. No, well, not sometimes. More often than not, in those cases, less is more. Um, there's to quote the great Sanford Meisner, there's no such thing as nothing, and I, he's an acting um, coach, part of the group theater, old school guy, and, and I believe that. And, and sometimes in the game, you know, there are some players that, that they have enough stress, paral, some suffer paralysis through analysis. Some of them, you know, some of them, you know, they they they, they take in so much they, they they can't do anything. So yeah, so well, it's, if, um, if, yeah. if you're if you're constantly telling them what to do they're never going to learn and they're just going to be reliant on you right just right. like if i was as a parent if i 
tried to take my daughter's first steps for her and didn't let her make mistakes and let her fall over and, and learn on her own, then she'd, she'd never be able to do it. You know, she'd be reliant on me. I want my athletes to learn. I want them to make mistakes. I want them to, you know, be on the edge of their abilities. And if I'm out there like a puppet master, then they're, they're not learning anything. And their long-term growth is really stunted. Maybe for a short term, there could be a small benefit. Um, but I think there's probably, even short term, you're, you're probably messing them up more than helping them. So yeah, I think the more you can let them be out there playing free, clear on who they want to be, and then just going out and attacking, then I think the better they'll play long term. Yeah. It's very um, synonymous to, to styles of theater performance. I was in a, my major in college was acting. I was in the BFA program at Marymount Manhattan College. And the way they teach some, there's, there's one style of coaching, like where, like if you get up and move across the room, John, you need a reason to. Uh, that's one style. And the other style, um, this is Michael Chekhov, a Chekhovian style, is where you just get up, move across the room, move back, sit down, reflect, discover the why as you go. And I think the second way has made volleyball players more productive because just like you said, allowing them to make mistakes, um, the, the realization of those mistakes uh, and the ability to self-correct is 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 um, part of your growth. I I believe part of what growth mindset is all about. Correct. Oh yeah, I mean you have to make there's there's no way to learn without making mistakes. Yeah, you're just gonna stay the same. You're not pushing yourself. So um, yeah, I think if you if you ha- when you have a growth mindset, we all have fixed or growth mindsets in different um, areas of life. But when when you're in a growth mindset, you're looking at mistakes as opportunities to learn from. When it's you're in a fixed mindset, you see mistakes. It's like the devil. You want to avoid it. Um, but yeah, I think as a co- coaches are the worst of this. They, you know, they, I think we say, "Oh, have a growth mindset." No, we don't. We don't live it. We don't model um, having a growth mindset. So um, yeah, I think I think it's your relationship with mistakes. How do you see it? Like I think lots of coaches see, "Oh, my athletes made a mistake, so I'm going to take that personally, and it makes me look bad." And now people are going to think I'm a bad coach. And um, you know, the the reality is is they made it, it, you know, every mistake is different, but if they are pushing themselves and trying to improve, then they're going to make some mistakes along the way. And we want to, we want to celebrate those and say, that's, that's the whole deal. That's you learning. That's you growing because you're pushing yourself. Yeah. So that's that's important. That's a very vulnerable, John, that's a very vulnerable answer, vulnerable answer in a sense that like when players don't do well, we, we do put a lot of pressure on ourselves as coaches. And though we don't say these things out loud, we are, we are thinking it in our head. Where that, that that moment of um, uh, and I won't say weakness, just just being human, uh, as coaches, um, you don't want to be that person. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, I'm talking about the former part of uh, uh, of what you were talking about. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you said that because it's easy for people to pass judgment on other people because they do that. But I just think if people are more understanding and empathetic and self honest. <laughs> Self-honest, yeah. knowing that knowing that they do it too, or, or that it's it's an internal struggle for for people who want these people to be better players. Yeah, I think it comes from a good place. Like you want to see your athletes succeed, but um, I think you have to understand that that people are humans, and when they they're going to go play a team, and you know half the teams are going to lose in this match, so it's not just going to be about that. It's going to be about be about um, you know, are they are they implementing the stuff we've worked on? Are are they being the person that they talked about they wanted to be? How can I 
how can I serve them more as a coach? How can I help them be that more versus blaming them or saying, oh, they didn't listen to me here? Um, so I think there's lots of ways to go about it. Uh, but I think the best, the best coaches are always looking at situations and thinking, how can I help in this scenario? How can I be more supportive? How can I serve my player and help them be the player they want to be? Um, but yeah, that's a hard thing to do. I mean, emotions come in and, and uh, you don't always, as a coach, especially you don't always act the way you want to act or coach the way you want to coach. So I think it takes a lot of reps as a coach. And I think as coaches, you want to be just like your players. You want them to be pushing themselves. You want to be pushing yourself as a coach. You want to have something that you're working on. You know, what am I working on today as a coach to get better? How am I pushing myself? What mistakes am I making to show that I'm growing as well? Uh, a lot of coaches just say, I know it all. And, and, um, you know, they're and that's just a fixed mindset. They're content with where they are. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah, I think, I think yeah. that comes from getting really good really fast. I mean, player, the thing that players and coaches have as, as far as the lack of growth mindset is concerned is sometimes something happens almost in a revolution, like a fast, rapid change. And you get, you get, they, it happens, the success happens so fast, like you said, they think they got it all figured out. And that's where players, yeah. and, players and, um, and, and coaches share that fault and commonality. Um, yeah. And... I think the coaches that realize that it's an evolution, <laughs> slow, grinding, pride swallowing, inconvenient, <laughs> yeah. up yeah. in the morning siege. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man, gotta squeeze that lemon and make some lemonade. I, I, yeah. But I think that's why it's so great. If it was just like, oh, it's, I'm, I've mastered this, then it's not really as exciting anymore. You're done. And that's the whole thing about mastery is it's never ending. You're you're never there's no like end point to it. There's no I'm I'm completed. We don't know how good we can get. Right. You know, we, we know our brain can continue to learn new things is you know, so we, we there's no max to any of it and that's why it's so exciting. So I think it's better that way that, that every day is an opportunity to become a little bit better than I was yesterday. And, you know, how can I attack the one one thing I wanna improve at today? And I'm glad, I'm glad it's that way. I think it is frustrating, and, it, and growth can take a very long time sometimes, and that's frustrating too, especially the more elite you get at something. When you're a beginner, you can get good at something fast, and that can set up that, that false that, set that, that the you obstacle. were talking about. Yeah. But when, when you become elite at something, it, it's so hard to get, you know, you're talking about uh, half, half percent better at, at something. That, that takes a lot of work, and that's why people, you know, I don't know, Tom Brady, LeBron James, they they're able to to continue to excel, continue to stay at the top because they, they keep pushing themselves and, and they squeeze that extra ounce out um, every day. But that's hard to do. It is. It ain't easy, right? <laughs> Very easy. Everybody do it, I guess, right? <laughs> hold, John, hold on. Oh, can you hear me? Uh, oh, got can you it. Hear me? Yeah, All I got right, it. <laughs> I thought you were messing with me, man. You look like Johnny uh, Quest. Like your mouth kept moving and only one or two words came out. <laughs> um, Livingston Tremont asked, um, who's the first person you qualified with? Oh, good question. So the first person I qualified with was in 2003 in the Manhattan Open. Uh, his name was Yareev Lerner. He's a legend. Uh, he, he owned a house where Kevin Wong, Jason Ring... Nick Lucena, a bunch of volleyball players lived, and he had always wanted to qualify, and that was the first, first time he did. Uh, the second time I qualified was Dan Mintz, and I was full-time blocking. Another, like, he was kind of a long journeyman kind of guy. And 
Yeah, I mean, you, you talked about, you mentioned being an, feeling like an imposter and how I grew up here and I wasn't. I definitely felt like an imposter out there. Um, I remember the first time qualifying and going to the player's tent and seeing, like, Mike Lambert and Karch Karai and Eric Fanoi Moana and just being like, wow, I did not belong here. And uh, I, I felt bad, like, trying to take a sandwich. I think I just, I never really went in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, qual- that's probably, I mean, you know, I was, I was lucky to, to win some tournaments and have some great seasons. And But I don't know if there's much better feeling than qualifying the first couple times. I mean, with someone, you know, one of my good buddies and someone, you know, it, it just it didn't know how the day was going to go. And there's so much stress in those qualifiers and to, to come through and do it and then to jump in the ocean together and be fired up and that whole night just fired up. And uh, those are some of my best memories is getting through those qualifiers and, and winning those final matches. Those are, those are yeah, those are just good memories. I, I think I can remember those more vividly than, yeah, winning tournaments. I think it's amazing as you get older, some of the things that you remember um, there are, happen to be more vivid than than the WCCs two years ago. <laughs> it's weird. I mean, come on, I remember my own home phone number. <laughs> right? Before speed dial, right? You remembered you remembered your own home phone number. You still know it. For sure, I know it. Nice. You're getting video bombed. <laughs> the eyes have it. Well, John, um, John, um, wow, I think we can, I think that takes care of it all. It says Pedro, Pedro lights about when he talks about you, John. I don't know who Pedro is. Is it Pedro Leal? Yeah. That was another, no way. Yeah. No way. Livingstone Truman is posting that. Uh, yeah. Okay. He likes Pedro Leal was, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, I qualified with him. He was my roommate in junior college. He's a Brazilian guy. Probably one of the best beach players I played with, actually. He's so good. But yeah, we were roommates at, in junior college. He ended up playing at USC, you know, it's Pepperdine. And then we uh, we qualified, and a couple events were both, you know, six feet, six one. And I remember we played Sean Scott and Todd Rogers in the first round, and I think we played them pretty tough. We almost had them. But that guy, Pedro, he's one of the funniest guys I know, one of the best volleyball players. I miss that guy. He's the man. I, I like it. And that's cool It's that someone's name dropping like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, John, um, oh, we're, we'll wrap up in a bit. Um, uh, what I wanted to say before I go, um, on a personal note, I met you in 2015 in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My girlfriend, remember those, the SOB, my girlfriend was there for the tournament, so I was just there chilling. Have yeah. a really, really cool memory of um, just... Like playing against you, you hit a ball like uh, it was me and Ty Trambley, and you hit a ball and it, like bounced in front of me. Then, um, like I think the next player, two plays later, I'm left-handed, so I hit like the same ball. I ended up losing like 11-4, or 15-4, or something like that. But the cool memory is that, um, like you guys respected me because. You knew I could play. You just knew this indoor to this outdoor thing. <laughs> and I mean, I played outdoor, but not but not on the beach. Central Park has beach courts. I use it as a train. I, I used it to cross train for indoor, to help prepare indoor. Grass tournaments, not the same thing. Not the wind, not this or whatever. So so it was, it was a really cool thing that I had like one moment on the beach where everybody looked at me like, okay, this guy can play. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ain't going to win, but, but I know I was going to play. So... And the other memory I wanted to share with you was you were sitting at a table, you were eating dinner by yourself. And um, and I was like, I was telling Kelly, I said, I'd like to actually just talk to him about coaching. 
you know, and you were, and Kelly's like, no, leave him alone. He's sitting alone for a reason, you know. And this is why people don't come next to you, because you look like you want to be left alone. So I sat next to you, and um, we had a really cool conversation about coaching. And then the next morning, uh, we continued the conversation. So it was one of those things, in the morning, I was sitting by myself, and you sat with me, and we continued the conversation. I was like, so um, that was 2015, almost five yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, playing, and we knew we had to be competitive to play, and I wanted to win, so I had to bring it against you. No, of course. And then th that was definitely a time. Well, that I was respect. That was your way of respecting me. Like yeah, if, you, if you're yeah. if you're if you're ten points better, you're gonna be, you you're gonna beat me by ten. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't want me to go halfway. Yeah. No, no. I, I, uh, I had this yeah. time in my life. I've never been on the John in my best. in my life. <laughs> so. Yeah. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. Amber I recommend Saudi. for everyone. Amber says hola from Austin, Texas. Hey, Everybody just giving you a shout out. John Mayer, the legend. You're not on Facebook, so I'm doing a Facebook Live production, so there's this news feed. Okay. There's this feed of comments, okay. and everybody, um, oh, is he still playing pickup? Oh, John's a legend. Oh, John's one of my favorite players. Cool. <laughs> well, I think, nice. I think we you. So, um, thank you for coming on board. Um, you know, I know that you know that if you ever need me to help you uh, with filming next year, like if you're at Long Beach and you're short a person, just call me. Yeah. Just call me. I could, I, I could, I could, I could do that for you. I've always, I'm, I'm, I'm your, I'm your male Geraldine. You know what I'm saying? Um, I could always, I could always support that way. Um, but before I go, I have two questions of my own. And I'm just going to pick two players that you coach out of the four. Give me yeah. one thing that you saw in Emily Day that showed significant improvement from from 12 months ago? Uh, there's a lot of things. She, she's uh, someone who's eager to learn. She she wants to get better. Uh, one thing we've been working on a lot recently is pulling. Uh, the women's game, I think pulling is a really important skill, and it's, it's a hard, hard yeah. skill. Maybe one of the hardest skills in the game. Pulling and, and stopping is. <laughs> yeah, no one can stop. You can't get stopped. No one, no one can get stopped. Right. So it's not about that. I think it's about reading. Um, She's gotten way better with her eye work. She sees the hitter, and she's able to <clears throat> to respond, and she's able to make off-balance plays. I think pullers, you have to be able to make off-balance plays. Right. So, and that's about clientele, uh, too. Like, Carrie Walsh does it really well. You know? Pulling, like, yeah. pulling cross, yeah. off-balance. She always puts two hands up. She's in system dig. Sorry, John. Yeah, yeah. No, that's... I think you want to practice making plays where you're, you know, maybe a little off-balance. You have to make a move uh, one a different direction and, and have some control. So she's gotten way better at that. I'd say that's that's one we've really dove into recently. Yeah. I always like to practice with my girls pull and stop, like whether, be it whether you're pulling off the two or four or, or um, one or three, um, because yeah. practicing it, that first of all, that that in order to, to pull and stop and have some kind of some kind of range or distance, you have to that first step has to be big because you have to cover more, right? And also, you also have instant speed on that first step being big. And the reason why I said yeah. pull or stop because you you as a coach, you've always been big on one move to the ball instead of instead of more than one move. So the I think the faster you can pull and stop before the hitter's contact, albeit heavy um heavy or a shot, I think the more it allows you to make one move to the ball. Where, yeah, if, where I, if you're still moving, John, and I, I really want your thoughts on this, where if you're yeah. still moving, you, you, you end up making two, two, a second and possibly a third move to the ball. Thoughts? Um, I, I'm 
not sure the juniors game, you might be able to get stopped. I, I used to say the same thing, get stopped. But I think a lot of coaches say things that they want in theory, and then there's the reality of the game. So the reality of the game is if you watch any college player, any professional player, they're never stopped. So we don't, you know, it'd be nice if they could get that way, and that would be that would be great. But it doesn't happen. So let's train the train in reality. And if if you watch, if you study any puller, and I've, I've started to dive into pulling a lot, this is an area I didn't know as much about. And if you watch the really good pullers, they're they're not stopped. So they're uh, still moving, right? They're balanced at times, but they're not stagnant. Got you know, it. They're not static. Right. Uh, and a lot of times they're making one-arm plays. They're making, yeah, they're facing one way, moving another way. So I think you want to really practice the reality of the game, which is making, you know, move as well, or yeah, pulling and moving and making a play on the move. So you, it might be different in the high high school level. No, you, I think because the speed of the ball is different. So you're you're definitely right yeah. about that. So yeah, in other words, so so my my so basically what you're saying is you don't, you you the um, the reality uh, of stop being a virtual impossibility. You don't practice it at all. It'd be nice. No, but yeah, unless it's a free ball. If someone's yeah. hitting, it, we don't talk about it because it's just not reality. Well, to me, again, to me, in my opinion, I think it's also about clientele. There are people that can do it, and, and even at that level. If you look the, at the lefty from Qatar, not only does he, um, sometimes he pulls and stops, and sometimes I even see him dip, dip and pull. He dips like he's going to block and pull. And yeah. I wouldn't coach, let's say, Earl Schultz or, or um, Stafford Slick. He's your full-time. I'll just use him as an example because you're, you're more familiar. I wouldn't. My reality is I wouldn't coach Stafford Slick to do that because to me that's about clientele. I don't see Stafford Slick dip and pulling and, and recovering. You know, so, yeah. so I guess the reason why I was asking that is because if it's a general thing for every player, um, I think, I don't want to say yeah, I think you're making a mistake because that's, um, I mean, that's, not how, that's not how we talk. That's not how we pass. You know, that's not, uh, <laughs> that's uh, not how we uh, cast dispersions I, on each I, other. I make a lot of when I study the really good pullers, they're still moving. But yeah, I'd love to see some clips of good pullers who are not, yeah. who are stopped. Yeah, that's, found, no, but you, you brought up a very good point. They just, they, they, they don't exist. I, 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 I'd have to really look. In other words, even if, John, let's say I find one and say, oh, here's an example of someone who does that. I had to look for him. That's not something, <laughs> that's, not, that's not a normal thing at that level where yeah. the speed of the ball moves. Per so, so your point right. is well, well received. I totally get that. But I, I think the word um, balanced is a good one. You can say try to get balanced. and You can be balanced and on the move, right? Right. That's, that's your that's your being like static. Yeah. Right. I think it's a good goal. Yeah. First, but you want to learn how to you want to learn how to make moves when you're off balance because that's the reality of the game. But I think off balance. I, and it goes back to me that first step, like Pompilio, who is um, Jose Loyola's coach, and he's also coaching at P fourteen forty right now. I think you might know him if you see him. Um, yeah. Um, he he's very big on first step because I think first step one you don't have to build up speed. First step allows you automatic speed and, and uh, with the ability to slow down if you have to. And I think that first step creates the balance. Anything anything on that? Anything oh, you're talking about, pull yeah. talking about pulling? Yeah, uh, pulling. I don't know enough. I'd have to learn more. I'm not sure. Yeah. 
Cool. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that off camera because it's some ideas. Because he was with Endless Summer for a little bit, and now he's with um, yeah. P1440. And he was, he's was he been coaching beach for 30 years. Like, I have, I've been coaching indoor here and there. You've been playing indoor here and there. I can't imagine how many times the rules have changed <laughs> in 30 years if you're just coaching one sport. Yeah. So he's someone, yeah. hey, next time we have food, we invite him to the table. He is, his English is not his first language, but the cool thing about him is, because English is not his first language, he's easy to understand. Mm. He'll come up to his girls. He'll come up to maybe Hughes and Clay's or whatever. Or he was coaching Hughes for a while. Um, good serves make good defense. That's five words, John. Do you know how yeah. many words it takes for me to say that to a player? I'm a pan. I feel like a pain in the ass after listening to this guy, yeah. where English isn't even his first language. <laughs> we, you and I, we get that. Because, like you said, you know someone long enough and you don't have to say a lot. Good serves makes good defense. Uh, speaking at it from a very amateurish level, of course. Yeah. Um, so, cool. is important. Yeah. So, all right. My next player up is Stafford Slick. Give me one okay. thing, one thing the last 12 months that you saw, saw significant improvement on. Uh, he's worked on a lot of things, too. Uh, there's a couple things that come to mind. Maybe... Uh, I guess two things came to mind. The first was his offense. We've been really working on expanding his range. Uh, I think it's hard for most hitters to be able to hit line, and sometimes he puts himself in a spot where he can only hit angle. So I've been working on him being able to feel like he could hit line or angle, so he has uh, those sorts of options. And then we've worked a lot in his transition setting. He has really good hands, uh, but it's one thing to be able to hand set. It's another thing to be able to show your partner where it's going to land and then to actually put it there. And sometimes he would kind of face one way and then twist and put it up in a decent spot. So been working on transition him being able to really show Billy where the set's going to land and having it stay true to that that path. So those have been two big rocks for him, transetting and and his uh, line hitting. And you got to appreciate how important that is at the in the on the international level. Every John, everyone has trans hands. <laughs> Yeah. Right, everyone has trans hands. Uh, the release is quick. The ball's easier to set. You know, ball's more for ball's definitely more forgivable to set than it is to hit and serve. <laughs> like that ball, if you miss a little bit, I feel like it left balloons out of bounds. But um, that's good. I'm glad to see that he showed significant improvement. I think he definitely showed that in um, you guys beat Ivandro and um, um, Bruno. Bruno. Yep. Yeah, that was a big win. Yeah, he served really tough in that game. Yeah, they they played so well in World Champs. That was amazing. That was two zero, right? Yeah, they beat him in two. Yeah. Yeah. John, oh my God, you got someone to take care of back there. You got a little girl, and I kept you, <laughs> and I kept you all this time. I tried to make this a podcast um, lengthwise instead of just an interview so we could just we could just loosen up. Uh, but, of course, the reason why I have you on the show is because you're about that growth mindset. You have a, you have a, um, a, a podcast that talks about coaching. So, I mean, that, I mean and, it's, and it is our wheelhouse. And, once again, I'm very honored and privileged. You are... My brother from another mother, and mad, and mad respect for making this happen on, on in such trying times. Thanks, Jay. You're the man. Thanks for uh, covering our sport and, and uh, continuing to grow the sport and making it better. You've, you've added a lot to our community, so yeah, thankful man. to have you have you with us. I'm glad to be part of it. Glad to be part of the family, dude. Later on, my man. All right. Thanks, Jay. Peace. Let's do that. Let's do that. Haha, ha. now you got me all alone. Ladies and gentlemen, that was John Mayer. Shut off that mic a little bit. Now, now my sound's a little better.
Yeah, once again, thanks for joining me. Um, this show is brought to you by Endless Summer Beach Volleyball, Beach Volleyball National Events. Come play with us. And also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. Watching me, watching you. Um, love John to death. Glad he um, actually retired the day he decided to want to, he wanted the coach. Um, my question was, um, when are you going to retire? When he, um, because um, I challenge anyone to look at any sport where you have someone that's an active coach um, that's also a full-time player where the on their coaching side that they actually win the championship. You don't see championship winning coaches who are who are current active players. You think you think more like a coach and less like a player. And I, sometimes thinking like a player helps you, but in coaching, uh, um, maybe honestly, more often than not, thinking like a coach helps you coach, not thinking like a player. Because you think like a player, you start thinking about the things that you do well uh, and compare yourself to the player that you're coaching on, and to understand the why they don't. And that's where some coaches... Um, um, not fall flat in their faces, but but where they're where they're flawed, and yeah, it's one of those things where sorry, I'm gonna test my mic, and it's one of those things where I'd like to see um, some of these younger minds. If you if you're gonna be a coach, be a coach. If you're serious about it, if you're gonna coach club, oh yeah, you want to play glorified babysitter. Uh, we need those two, and 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 young coaches getting into coaching need that too because this way they can balance their time, and if if and if or when they retire, they can transition more smoothly into coaching. Um, but yeah, so it's one of those things where he. When was it? December two thousand eighteen. He retired. And um, f four months later, WCC champs beat Pepperdine. All right, I guess that's all I got, people. Yeah, thanks for um, um, for the people on the live set. Thanks for participating in this podcast, making it happen. And um, Sports Debate Tuesday is going to come later tonight or tomorrow morning. But for all of you at home, for all of you on your tablet and in your isolation area. For those of you, all of you on the drive-in, the drive-through at Starbucks, trying to get your coffee. I'm Jason DeBellis. Love all you. See you next episode. So long. I'm out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're gonna love what you hear.